that, Mr. Bubble and Squeak. You may enlighten me. Hello and welcome to the very first podcast of The Enlightenment. My name is Adam Vaughan and with me is Ben Dunn. Hello, hello. Well, this week has been Super Bowl week. Big game was yesterday our time, so why not talk about that, Ben? <laughs> why not indeed? Uh, plenty of action happened. Tom Brady got his fourth ring and uh, there was some controversy right at the end. So plenty to keep us going. <laughs> some controversy. <laughs> are you, are you serious? Yeah. So what do you think of the game? Uh, the game itself went probably the opposite of what I expected. I expected Seattle would control the game and the Patriots would be left floundering out there uh, being ineffectual, um, but that wasn't the case. Well, I expected the Seahawks to actually have to score last to win the game. That almost happened. I didn't expect Tom Brady to throw 37 passes or to actually have 37 completions, mm. um, but... I don't think Earl Thomas was anywhere near healthy, no. nor was Richard Sherman. And when that other cornerback got injured with that yeah, terrible injury, horrible arm injury, for those of you who don't know, his forearm um, broke severely and it basically bent when it was not supposed to bend. Yeah, it looked like a banana. <coughs> so when he, when he left, that actually was a big hole in their secondary. Yeah, it really was. So he must be one of the unofficial members of the Legion of Boom or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they definitely um, felt his absence, and um, Richard Sherman definitely wasn't up to things with his elbow, and we found out since that he's going to have to have surgery, so they're obviously playing that down. But that being said, that I think come the start of the fourth quarter, they'd only targeted him once yeah. um, for one catch and six yards or something, so yep. um, they weren't really going that side anyway. No, which is surprising. <coughs> I would have I would have run at him for sure, especially in the first quarter. You've got to test these guys out. You've got to find out exactly how healthy they are, especially in the biggest game of the of the year. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. They've ended up winning. Mm-hmm. And the circumstances that they won, let's go straight to the <laughs> almost the final play of the game. And it was very, very strange for me look, watching it. I'm sure it was very strange for you too, Ben. Yeah. I just knew what was happening. And my brother's a mad Patriots fan. So, well, I thought I knew what was happening. And sitting there when um, Curse pulled in that catch... And there was 20 seconds left, or whatever it was, and yeah. he bowled it up and caught it. And well, I that just, in itself was in, was insane. Yeah, I just started laughing, thinking my brother would have been so excited, thinking that his team had another Super Bowl ring coming, and then the Seahawks were just going to come and take it from him, and Beast Mode was going to be Beast Mode, and um, he was going to eat Skittles for the rest of the year. But <laughs> was going to anyway. Really. <laughs> yeah, but um, they went away from what everyone thought they were going to do, and I guess that's what they were intending to do. They thought that they were going to be able to surprise um, New England and get away with a little slant route there, but that wasn't to be. Well, the explanation given by Pete Carroll, the head coach of Seattle, was basically he's him and the coaching staff, and he, he actually took a lot of the blame. He didn't actually name anybody else, didn't throw anybody under the bus or anything like that. He basically said, we saw the formation that they came out with, and we didn't think it was conducive for a run which I think straight away you're thinking along the wrong lines, yeah. Pete. You just had Marshall and Lynch carry three guys five yards and almost score. Yeah. Now you're basically one and a half yards away and you're not going to give him a go because On of the, the formation. And it was second down. Second down, yeah. 20 seconds to go. They got one and time they had a left. timeout left, yeah. 
there's no reason not to do it and there was a obviously there was a lot of um, very surprised people out there oh yeah. and twitter kind of exploded yeah it really did uh, one of my favorite tweets actually came from the ex-philadelphia eagle safety ryan dawkins yes um and he basically put it into baseball terms and said okay well the situation that you've got is you've got a man on second you've got nobody out and you've got babe ruth coming to the plate and you give him the bunt signal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that pretty much encompassed it for me. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I don't know. The, I was just having um, flashbacks of Varsity Blues. <laughs> 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 and uh, not putting, was it Wendell, over? I don't remember his name, but yeah, the poor old running back was yeah. just a workhorse catch you there and then quarterback would get the points. Exactly yeah. right. And um, yeah, I, I was thinking Beast Mode probably wishes Jonathan Moxon was out there giving him the ball rather than throwing an intercept. But um, it's all over and done with now, and they'll uh, yeah, have to try and make their third Super Bowl in three years next year to get redemption. I don't think you're ever going to get redemption for this. No, I don't think uh, so. It's going to be a player that they're going to be arguing about in pubs and who knows where else throughout the world because it's a Super Bowl. Everybody knows his play yeah, yeah. for years to come. It's definitely going to be a reference point when uh, in all of their legacies, um, I, I would say. Russell Wilson, you can't really fault him. He was I can. playing the play that was... I can. I can fault him. Well, he could have audibled at any stage. <laughs> well, it's not about audible. Um, or changing the play. It was a bad pass, mate. Mm. It was a bad pass. He was dire- He was looking at the receiver coming across. Mm. And in the same line of sight, you got the safety coming across to try and stop the play. He could have faked. Well, he could have faked. He could have tossed it straight over the top of the head. We saw how many times he did that during the game, too. Well, he threw exactly. the ball away a lot. Exactly. He could have thrown it low and to the back shoulder yep. instead of leading the player. But I think one of the other receivers, I think it might have been Jermaine Curse on the right-hand side, he got belted by Browner. Yeah, he did. And he and that play absolutely stuffed up the entire slant route. Yeah. And I am cheating a little bit. I have listened to ESPN and all that sort of stuff and read a lot today about it. But... Even for the untrained eye, you can see that the defence really did, shouldn't have had such an easy play on that ball. I still think it was good defence to get there. Oh, and it was good to defense take to the actually catch. take the take the initiative and do it. But you, funny enough, the young guy who's who's made the catch in practice, Bill Belichick actually got up him because they ran that same play and he missed it. Yeah, right. And he told him, "You got to make that play." So he remembered it, he recognised the play, and he's done the job. He definitely has. Um, even NBA players and um, tennis players, I saw Andy Roddick was tweeting about it, but um, players like Shaq um, were coming out and saying that it was a horrible play call. Yeah. Um, and it was know, like... He didn't know being a basketball player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he was saying it, it was like taking a game-winning shot away from Michael Jordan, um, taking the ball out of his hand. So. Yeah, oh, you can come up with all kinds of analogies. And, yeah. and he's, they're not wrong, and that's, that's the issue. But it's funny how we're talking about the second to last play when even when I saw it happen and because the young guy who took the interception was tackled a yard out there was still time on the clock and Tom Brady was not in position to just kneel the ball because no. he kneeled it in, in the end zone yeah so but then Seattle absolutely butchered it by in, in crouching yeah hitting the opposition and giving them five yards and putting them in nice and easy fair territory yeah then he and can kneel the, kneel the ball and the game is well yeah it escalated and there's a player ejected and first player in Super Bowl history so that'll also be talked about that was yep. for, for years to come like, yeah, it'd be nice fine coming his way no doubt as well oh yeah on the biggest stage like I don't think that's how you want to be remembered um, at all 
I don't think I don't think you're really thinking about that to be honest. But I think that I've heard Michael Bennett have quite a few interesting things to say <laughs> to the journalists after the game, and he certainly wasn't riding a bike around after this one. Well, he wasn't, and <laughs> according to the Around the NFL podcast, Dan Hans has asked him a question, and he basically answered him well. You know, basically asked him how how shocked are you with the final play play call and. Bennett looked him in the eye and said, just, just as shocked as what your wife was when she first saw your penis. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, considering how laid back and funny and welcoming he was just a few yeah. days ago at Media Day, um, seeing a different side of Michael Bennett. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well, you know, we haven't been in that position, so we don't know exactly how hard it is to, to deal with that, and stri- especially straight after the game. And I think Richard Sherman's face when he saw that the pass then been intercepted. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, Google it, find out because it is. Oh, there's plenty of memes on the internet. Um, it won't take yeah, you long to that's find. That's right. It. it won't take you long at all. But as I say, the picture is worth a thousand words. <laughs> yeah. It's well worth looking at it. Yeah, definitely. But um, we could probably talk about the Super Bowl and all the moments in it for hours. Should we move on to uh, someone who I know you're a big fan of, uh, Warren Sapp? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Warren obviously got a bit frisky um, that night of the Super Bowl. And yeah. Real. He's got himself in a little bit of trouble with um, John Law over there. Yeah. So the charge is soliciting prostitution. That's 7 a.m. in the morning. What are you doing, mate? Fair and for $100. I mean, surely you could go to somewhere that might actually allow that sort of stuff and pay a little bit more because <laughs> money is not obviously an object for him like he made plenty during his career and he had a he had a good uh, job exactly. as an NFL analyst he had and he's well he did has he got money because he, he applied for bankruptcy just a few years point, ago yeah 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 but you think he's sort of been smarter with his money and has worked his way back a little bit now but I just I can't understand it and for someone with a media profile and uh, quasi-celebrity that comes along with being a sports star in America. And a Hall of Famer. And a Hall of Famer. Like, you, the whole paying for it thing just boggles my mind. <laughs> maybe um, that's part of the thrill, mate. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what he's after. Maybe he likes the power or something of it. But I really, I don't understand it at all. And to now have jeopardised his life, livelihood, for one, well, you probably know. more than one minute. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not prepared to make any comment on that. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. But, um, yeah, no, look, I think it's a very stupid thing to do. And, yeah, I I think he probably could have put a lot more thought into it. Probably done it a few hours early under the cover of darkness, <laughs> at least. I don't know. I, yeah. Well, well, it's Warren Sapp. He's a Hall of Famer. It's NFL. It's the Super Bowl. Why didn't you just go to a party and just say, hey, you uh, meet me? Sapp. Yeah, exactly right. Surely there would have been plenty of those Super Bowl wind-up parties happening that he could have done that sort of thing at. And uh, there's always someone out there looking for a baby daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I'm sure he could have found himself something. But anyway, best yeah. of uh, luck with the trial, Warren. No, he'll, pay, he'll pay it out, mate. He'll be right. <laughs> he won't go to jail. He's Warren Sapp. Yeah. But um, another... Well, I don't really know how to describe him because <coughs> he's, he's, to me he's a bit like um, Paris Hilton, this bloke. <laughs> he's done nothing, but he's famous for it. Yeah. Talking about Johnny Manziel or Johnny Football, who's now turned into Johnny Rehab. Yeah. What's your take on this fellow, mate? Mate, uh, I think he's someone that 
from an early age has read his own press and has allowed uh, said press to go to his head and um, fair enough he did have a lot of success in high school and then college but um, he obviously hasn't had that translate um, to the NFL and as we've had people like Andrew Johns and the like say you can't really replace that feeling um, anywhere so mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether that's played a part into it or whether he's now that he's coming to his money he's just started running in the wrong circles listening to the wrong people and partying a little too much and that's what sort of happened with it all but I don't know it 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 blows my mind I used to say to my mates all the time when you'd, you'd see all these rugby league players doing stupid stuff getting in fights at pubs and all that sort of stuff when you're on six figure plus salaries why jeopardise that? Like, it, I don't understand. Like, there are so many people in this world who would kill to have a professional sporting contract and Absolutely. and to be playing a game for a living. And then you do this sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Well, what about you? I've never understood him. <laughs> you're, you're in the college football more than what I am. But all I kept hearing other than from John Gruden was that he was a big red flag. Yeah. So, all he's, to me, all he's doing is living up to it. And I'm not entirely sure what he's going to rehab for. They're not publicly saying what he's going to re- rehab for. Yeah. But well, you can't go to rehab for stupidity, surely. <laughs> oh, if you could, there's a few people I'd like to send. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, look, I would say there, there are stories of him having parties on Friday nights with games on Sundays and all that sort of stuff. So you'd have to think that it's drugs or alcohol or, or yeah, I'd both. say it'd be alcohol because apparently before the last game, uh, before the walkthrough, I think it was, before the he last game, drunk he, or something. he didn't even turn up drunk. Security had to go to his apartment oh, that's and right. found him that's right. drunk as a skunk. So the thing that baffles me, and I, I don't know whether this is just the players publicly thinking, okay, well, we've got to support this guy in the public and behind closed doors, we'll, we'll, we'll rip him a few. But they all seem to be very supportive of him despite the fact he hasn't done anything for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw a few of the tweets saying, God bless him and wishing him well in his recovery and hope to see him back on the field soon. And I really don't think we saw him on the field that much to warrant wanting to see him back soon. But, yeah, I don't, I, I'm with you. I, I don't understand it. Maybe he's a really good locker room guy. I, I really don't know. But um, it'll be interesting to see where his career goes from here, um, whether he can pick himself up and, and make a real go of it or whether he follows the Vince Young route and is out of the league in a couple of years? Well, the Browns have got a big decision in front of them. They've got a couple of early draft picks. Yep. So I don't think the quarterback um, quality this year in the, in the draft is superb by any means. There's only basically two guys that can have been looked at as being something that can be a success in the NFL at the moment. Yep. So I don't think they're going to drop far enough for the Browns to get them. So no, no, they'll both be going top five, you have to think, and, and the Browns are just outside that, I think. So unless some sort of miracle happens, they're going to miss out. And they're, for all intents and purposes, have said that Johnny Manziel is their quarterback for the future. So, well, yeah, I really don't know where they go from here. Well, you've got to feel for Brian Hoyer, in my opinion. I don't think he got a real fair deal in, in Cleveland, and I can see him actually going to another team and actually doing very, very well for himself. Yeah, I think he could be one of those ones as well. Just needs a, a shot somewhere else where there's no pressure of some famous name waiting in the wings behind him. So if he can just really um, get in there and be able to have a crack, I think he'll do well. Because I didn't think he was playing badly when he got benched, and it, it certainly wasn't his fault. Um, 
I mean, obviously everyone blames the quarterback when there's intercepts and, and fumbles, but, I mean, the offensive line has a lot to play with that oh, as well. The offensive line, the receivers, I mean, some of the games that I saw, the receivers was giving up on him. Yeah, exactly. And I know that they didn't have Josh Gordon this season and probably not going to have him next season either. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Um, but he can write a nice letter. Yeah. As long as you're not Charles Barkley or Chris Carter or um, the other bloke from ESPN anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah... For a team that had so much promise at the beginning of the season, um, it's it's not looking good for the, for 2015. No, uh, just when they thought they'd finish rebuilding, I think they're going to have to rebuild again. So it's going to be interesting. Which uh, brings us on to the draft, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I know we've got a, a couple of big wads of paper sitting here in front of us. And I guess the real question and the, and the biggest question that's going to go into the draft um, leading up to it and it's going to dominate the headlines is which quarterback goes first? Well, like I said, you, you're into the, um, the college game more than I am. And so I'm basically going off what I'm reading here. Yep. But it looks to me as though Jameis Winston is the pick, not Marcus Mariota. But I know you're high on Marcus. I, I honestly think that Marcus Mariota is like the smartest football player that's going to be in the draft that probably has been in the draft for the last few years. And I'm, I'm not talking, and I've said to you before, I'm not talking the actual brain smarts like the Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's never going to get a perfect score. In. Yeah, well, not everyone's going to have it all. <laughs> exactly right. But um, he just doesn't make poor decisions. And obviously... He's well-versed in the offense that he was playing, having been there for four years and all that sort of stuff. But he just doesn't take poor options. I think he, he finished the year with, with six interceptions off over 400 attempts. So, like, that is a phenomenal effort. Um, when you look at someone like a Teddy Bridgewater coming into the NFL, and obviously that's a, it's a different kettle of fish and you're playing against more sort of quality defense, but he had 12 intercepts um, for half as many attempts. So, right. I mean... It's but just is he a product of the system, though? Is he another product of the spread offense? I really don't think so. Uh, watching him play, he doesn't get flustered, um, and that leads to him not making mistakes. He's got good vision. He's got good footwork. He just doesn't get under pressure. And um, Oregon were no, by no means a big team, so he didn't have massive 400-pounders right. sitting in front of him. Um, so he had to work for a lot of of what he got um, and I watched a lot of his games because my brother-in-law is a, a massive Ducks fan so he'd right. come over and, and watch them with me um, so I have seen a lot of him um, and obviously everyone's now seen a lot of um, Jameis Winston as well um, because he's ESPN golden boy um, <laughs> so you don't, you're not big on Jameis Winston you don't think he's as good as what people say I think he's a terrific athlete and I think he has every chance. He's got all the tools, he's got the big hands, he's tall, he's fast, but he can be panicked. And whether that's right. a, a product of his age, well, I don't he's, know. He's quite a bit younger than he is. a lot of the other guys, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so he's can, only can done two years. Can that be blamed on his age? Can that be blamed on all the off-field stuff that he's been getting in trouble with? I think so. I think he's got the potential that he can go down the Johnny Manziel route. He that's can good. start believing his own press. He can get caught up in the hype. And so is there, is there a chance he could drop out of the first round? I don't think he'll drop out of the first round, but I think once he gets um, up into the league, I think there's every chance that he could then fail. Right. Um, and that would be the bit that worries me if I was to take him. I still think there's red flags with him as well. Like he's already been in trouble for the crab claws or whatever it was. Yeah. Like there's been other issues. There's talk of him like fudging grades and all that sort of oh, stuff. Nice. So um, there's there's already stuff there um so i think that he potentially could be an issue if if i'm tampa bay 
um, or whoever it is that's got the number one. Yeah, Tampa Bay. Tampa yeah. Bay. Yep. I'd be taking Marcus Mariota. He's. I don't think you can lose with him. So, I've I've heard in a couple of different places that you know Chip Kelly, the Philadelphia head coach, came from Oregon, knows Marcus Mariota very very well. He's looking at making moves to get him. Yep. Is that even possible? Considering Philadelphia are way down the list because they've been so successful. You'd think that they'd have to lose, give up a lot to get him. They'd have to give up their second, third, fourth round picks plus pieces that they've already got. That's a big price. And that's a big price to pay. But that would be the only way that I think Tampa Bay would be interested in in doing a deal. I mean, they have to give up less the further down Mariota drops, but I really don't see him dropping lower than, than five, even based on all the projections I've seen so far. Right. There's just too much need for, for quarterbacks at that in, end of the draft. So other than quarterback, what other players do you see going in the, say, top five of this draft coming up? Yeah, I think the the next picks, you're probably going to be looking at some of the uh, defensive linemen or defensive tackle. What are that Williams, that Leonard Williams from USC? He could probably play defensive end at a pinch. He's a big athletic guy. So that'll be the Tennessee Titans with the number two pick. Yeah. So and even with all the problems that they've got, do you still think they're going to go defensive on? They're going to take the best player on the, on their list? You can't fail. Well, you can fail, but it's when you're in the position that they're in, I think you have to take the best available. Right. I don't think you're in a position to pick and choose there. And someone like, Williams, you could probably build a defense around, similar to like a, a Mario Williams or okay. or someone like that. Um, so he's got that that stature. I think so. Um, I think he can definitely, like he's shown so much improvement every year, um, and I think he's only going to get better. So, yeah, I think you'd probably have to take him. Um, otherwise, there's some um, good wide receivers that could be coming through as well. Will be coming through as well. There's probably only two that are going to go. Um, high. Right. Isn't that a, one of those positions, that, especially in college at this the last few years at least, they're basically picking up um, the program so much easier than what they used to. So to me, that doesn't seem like it's a, as big a gamble as it used to be. No, definitely not. So many of the coaching systems within college games these days, especially coming out of your SECs um, and even your pack town a little bit, they're pretty much running pro systems these days, mm-hmm. with maybe the exception um, of Oregon, who still run the spread, which Chip Kelly has failed to bring in at Philly. Well, but the rest would, of the, them would the spread actually work in the NFL, though? Isn't there a reason why he hasn't done it? Like he's, he's tried to bring in the speed, but... Um, the actual spreading of the offense, I think the pro defenses are just too good for that. I think they are. Plus, I think the NFL has some issues with the formations and stuff as well. So, right. too many eligible receivers and the like. But yeah. I just think, yeah, like you were saying, I think the pro defenses are too good. There's too many good players at every position um, for you to be able to isolate someone and just punish them play after play. But when you're looking at someone like your Amari Cooper coming out of Alabama um, or your Devontae Parker from Louisville, like Parker, he sat out the first half of the year with a with a toe injury or something. I think it was something okay. wrong with his foot. So he only came in and played the back half of the season, yep. and he finished second in the league in touchdowns um, and got still got over a thousand yards receiving. So he's done um, a backup for the Giants this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if like he's still on the board for someone like Minnesota, you'd have to think that it'd be tempting for them to take him <laughs> because he's familiar with Teddy and they they. Well, you'd, you'd love that being a Vikings man, mate. <laughs> oh, I don't. Don't think that'll be a problem. Um, <laughs> I would take him happily, but um, yeah, like I said, I think, and we were talking about today. I think there's there's different needs um, 
there for, for every team, but whether you go the best available or not, I'm not really sure. But you can't lose if you if you take the best available. And yeah, then especially, if, if, especially if you're so high on the, on yeah. the list. So. Yeah, exactly. But there's a long time between now and the draft, which is at the Absolutely. end of April. So we're just scraping the surface of that discussion, really. Oh, yeah, we'll get more into that a long way down the track, I'm sure. Well, one thing that has been decided in the last week are the Hall of Famers. So do you have any problems with any of the Hall of Famers? <laughs> um well, as a kid, I was a big um, Junior Seau fan. Um, yeah, yeah, I have to agree with you there. And uh, he made me want to put on pads and tackle people. And he was probably one of the first um, players that I became very familiar with. So I was definitely uh, happy to see him get in. There was a, a Viking selective from a one of the historical... Yeah, um, Mick Tinglehoff from, yep, the, that's from the, the Vikings. Jerome Bettis. Jerome Bettis. Yeah, I have a bit of a problem with Jerome Bettis, and I also have a problem with Tim Brown. Yeah, Tim Brown. I mean, wow, he he had some good moments. He had some bad moments. Well, you, as a receiver, he was a good receiver. Yeah, he was not a great receiver. No. And I think when you start putting kick return stats in there to bump him up, I think you're on a loser when it comes yeah. to Hall of Fame. Like I'm sure he was, he was a great player, but he wasn't a Hall of Fame player. And I think the yeah. same thing about Jerome Bettis, the bus. My best mate from Canberra, Chunky, he's going to kill me for saying this. But I know he's he's sixth on the all-time yards list and all that sort of stuff, but he wasn't spectacular. And no. I know that wasn't his game, but he wasn't even devastating for a long enough period throughout his career, in yeah. my opinion. It was sort of, after sort of five or six years in the league, he had that three or four years where he was good, and then his last couple of years he was just sort of atrocious and um, he just sort of came on for third downs and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, he really was the bus. He'd basically yeah. three yards out from the goal line, you bring on the bus and he'd, he'd take you home. But yeah, exactly right. That, that to me, that's not good enough. But you know, Benny, you and I aren't on the on the. <laughs> no, no. So they've gone that way. Charles Haley, I think, should have been in years ago. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of those guys that, to me, he's because he was a bit of a prickly customer with the media, and because of the media, actually make these decisions. <laughs> yeah. They've made him wait, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah. And we're going to have the same argument with the Baseball Hall of Fame as well, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but that's another story, and it'll be later on during the year. Yeah. And I have some strong things to say about that, but we're talking the NFL at the moment. But Charles Haley, the teams he was on, what he was able to do on the field, there's no way he shouldn't have been a Hall of Famer years ago. No, that's true. Will Shields, a problem with him? Look, I don't know enough about his history. I, I saw all the highlights that they were showing uh, on ESPN when they were sort of show, talking about his selection and stuff. And look, a lot of those guys didn't really have a problem with him. So yep. I think fair enough. I think you could look at the um, the old Chiefs teams of yeah. when he was playing. They, they were a strong team. Yeah. They were very difficult to get over the top of, especially their, their running game with Priest Holmes and the yep. like. They were just very, very, very hard to stop on the on the ground. I've got no problem with him. Also, his longevity. Yeah. For a guard, an offensive ta- um, guard to, you know, play that, that long and you know, week in, week out, do the job. Yeah. Because it's probably the hardest position on the on the field. Yeah. With tackle. Yeah. I wouldn't want to play it, that's for sure. And Bill Polian and Ron Wolf, I have no problem with those guys getting in. No, not at They've all. They've built dynasties through the books, basically. They're the ones who made all the, all the decisions and put all these pieces in play. Yeah. So... And if, you, if you've got a problem with any of those guys, look at their records. They're unbelievable. But if we go back to Tim Brown for a, a minute, I think yeah. 
one of the ones that we then have to look at it missing out for Tim Brown, Marvin Harrison. I think Marvin... I so think consistent for so long. I think he's actually paying the penalty for some of his off-field indiscretions. Yeah. Which, you're going to make a decision. Are you going to look at this as purely on the field, or are you going to look at this as personality kind of thing as well? Which I don't think that the Hall of Fame votes in, in any sport should come down to that. Like, you're voting for them because of what they did as football players. Yeah. Their contribution to the game, to the team. Yeah. All the, that sort of stuff. Yeah, their so results, their achievements. Yeah, exactly on the field. right. Um, I mean, if, if Babe Ruth... Uh, I know I'm going back to baseball again, but if, if the Babe was alive and well and playing today... And he still got up with the same shenanigans he got up to back then. Now, he'd be in, he'd be all over the papers, and he'd be an absolute disgrace to the game. Absolutely, and he's but everyone turns a blind eye because it's the babe. Yeah, and um, there was no Twitter or Snapchat or Instagram back then to catch oh, him drunk in bars. He'd be an Instagram like fiend, I think. Yeah, absolutely, he would be. Um, and what do you reckon about Kurt Warner missing out? I think he's um, he's gonna he's paying the penalty for his. A lull in his career, yeah. I think, and people aren't gonna. Well, they obviously didn't see him as a first round or first year pick, <coughs> so first ballot anyway. But his but time will come. Yeah, no, I no think just with the success that he did have when he finally got into the league, um, I think you you can't hold him back. Plus, I think it's a great story to go from oh, it is. not I mean, drafted Canadian Football League, Arena Football, and then I want to know he's gonna play him in the movie because there'll be a movie coming. Yeah, out. there has to be, and then Super Bowl rings. So. I mean, yeah, he would have, yeah, like you said, if he if he doesn't make it, well, he didn't make it this year, so you have to think in the next couple of years he'll yeah. he'll get in somewhere. And there's a couple of very good players coming up in the next couple of years as well. You've got your Ray Lewis as your Brian Urlachers, which yep. I'm a Chicago Bears fan, and he <laughs> should be in there without a problem. Without a problem. <laughs> Whether he is or not, who knows. But you know, other kind of players, Brian Dawkins being one of them as well. Mm. Players who really change the way that the game is played, who have only recently been retired, they're, they're coming up, so pushes all the other guys who've been trying to get in for a few years back even further. Yeah. And that's that's the difficult part about being a, one of the chosen few to make these decisions. Yeah, true. All right, I might go a little bit of a change of pace. <laughs> and remembering that we are actually in Australia, and we are Australian, the NRL 9s were on this weekend. Oh, did you catch much of it, mate? Champagne football. I did um, catch a fair bit of it, actually. I caught most of the morning on, on Saturday and then... All, all the afternoon and finals on, on the Sunday. So I've got to see every team at least once, I think, and the Sharkies a couple of times, thankfully. Yes, well, disclaimers here, um, Ben is a Sharks tragic, Ooh, and I'm a Tigers man. man. So, yeah, please um, take our bias in stride. <laughs> we'll try to anyway. <laughs> I was very surprised to see the Sharks in a final. Look, I'm, I'm not going to lie. When we came up against the Roosters in that... Um, was it the semi or the quarterfinal? I think quarterfinal. Maybe I'm not sure. I oh, know we had the Warriors in the quarterfinal. I, I. Them in itself, the back, get past. Yeah, the home get team. past the Warriors. Yeah. We're and looking pretty good. They were. They were the favourites, obviously, after going all the way last year. But um, I oh, know that did they lose last year to the Cowboys? Anyway, to get over them and in a tight game, I thought we wouldn't have had much left in the tank to um when we came up against the Roosters and I thought with the Roosters having someone like Roger Tuivasa Sheck um, and that young Hastings that was playing out in the centres for them, yeah. I, I thought we, we might have struggled um, to match them for pace and stuff, but got over the top of them, thankfully. And then, look, the the Rabbits were obviously the form team of the competition. and They picked a very, very strong side. Yeah, they were I was so very surprised to see them pick so many 
uh, regular first graders in that team. Yeah, um, and look, I was a massive Matt King fan. Um, I remember him coming through lower grades at the Sharks and I was devo that he never got a game there mm. and then went off to Melbourne and did what he did and played Origins and Test matches and all that sort of stuff. So I I wasn't at all unhappy to... Well, I was pretty unhappy, but it wasn't complete unhappiness to see uh, Matty King score the game-winning try and yeah. what a way to go out for <laughs> that guy. Extra so time, which... Yeah, in the 10th minute or... For, for a nines game, was a big, long game. Yeah, after playing three games earlier in the day or something too so massive effort for everyone involved in that final but um yeah look some some good football um was played during the weekend and like i think there were quite a few youngsters for a, a, a number of the teams that sort of stuck their hands up and looked promising for for the year ahead um for the sharks um jack bird i think to me lived up to the hype well yeah you pinched him from the dragons and yep I'm sure the dragons are feeling really good about that especially since you've the Dragons have actually got rid of so many players and not brought in too many yeah. to replace them. I actually thought they struggled. I thought um, they did too. They just didn't seem to have any cohesion out there. Well, they didn't have any cohesion, but I don't think they've got much talent in the squad. No. I think that's what it's going to come down to. And I think their first at least 10 weeks of the season, they're really going to struggle. Yeah. I mean, two of the guys that I thought played pretty well for us as well, Jared Bill and, um, and Kyle Stanley, Like, I really don't understand why the Dragons let them go, but... Obviously, they're going to try and bump up Benji's um, contract or something. I really don't know what the goal is there. <laughs> well, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm happy to take him. And if um, they can play the 13-man game like they did the, the nines, I'll be very happy to see them named in the Sharks 17 every week. Well, the Sharks, to me, look like a much, much happier team. Yeah, they they seemed a lot more relaxed and um, well, just seemed to be enjoying their football. We'll have them at three weeks off last year, so, you know, that'll get <laughs> nice and refreshed. But that's <coughs> another discussion for another time. <laughs> yep. But um, an- another team that, in- that impressed me was obviously the Rabbitohs. Um, but I did like the look of the Knights. Yeah. Um, they look good, like they did last year as well. But um, if there's a team that deserves a little bit of luck this year, it definitely has to be Newcastle. Well, you would think so. Hopefully they don't... Well. I mean, I don't want them to finish above the Sharks, but hopefully they don't run into too many injury problems like they have last year. The one player for the Knights that I did notice that seemed to underperform at the Knights and whether he was just trying to... At the Knights, at the Nines, uh, whether he was trying to try too hard um, and make stuff happen was Tyrone Roberts. I really don't think he was that effective and I thought this potentially was the kind of platform where with his chip kicks, his cutout balls, his, his sidesteps and stuff, I thought that yeah. maybe he would have um, had an Adam Reynolds-like impact, but he... Yeah, he just didn't seem to do much at all. and well, He's still young, and I still think he needs Jared Mullen to hold his hand a bit. But Reynolds is young too, and you don't see him yeah, well, Reynolds chipping is, every... Reynolds is different. Set of six. He's a different cat. He you know, he's a different kind of guy. And, he, and I he's had to grow up a bit, a bit quicker than what Tyrone has. Yeah, and he's been luckier to have a bit more success, I suppose, so he doesn't feel the pressure as much. But no, he's also surrounded by superstars. And, <laughs> yeah, that you know, makes it a bit easier. Team, so... But that being said, I, th- I think someone like a, a Dane Gagai, like he's a superstar in my eyes. I, I think he's one well, of the better be players. Well, he should be Queensland Origin team this year, and hopefully, I think he stayed in the camp this year. So yeah, that's didn't a, go walking. That's about. a good start for him. Yeah. So who who did you see struggling? I saw the Titans really struggle, and so so did Canberra, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, Canberra, I I don't know. They've had so much turnover in the last couple of years, and um. Players coming, not coming, going, not going. Yeah, I, I really don't know where their heads are at, but 
they they have a lot of young players coming through as well. But again, one of their things seem to be sort of some cohesiveness. And sure, you can probably say that the the nines doesn't really help with that because it is a lot of just throw the pill around and well, see what is, happens. Yeah. But I think yes, and even the sharks show that you need some kind of game plan. And it seems to be a couple of hit ups, and then you then you go wide. And a team like Canterbury. I take nothing out of the nines when it comes to Canterbury because they're a That's big not their side style anyway. At all. Yeah. So they're, they're not going to be suited to nines at all. But um, when it comes to the 13-man game, they're going to just steamroll you. They're going to be up there again. Yeah, absolutely. Their forward pack is massive. Okay. I have a bit of an issue with the nines, though. Okay. Especially this year. Right. We have the nines. Yes. And now, two weeks from now, we have the All-Star game. Yep. And then we have the the World Club Series or whatever they, they're calling it, with three teams from the NRL and three, and three teams, teams from yep. England. How the Dragons and the Broncos got in this, I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah. the talking, the talk after the last season was all about player burnout. Yep. And then you whack all these pre-season games plus the trials in front of the yep. regular season. Who comes up with this idea? I mean, it makes no sense to me. Well, and then you look at teams like South today who named 25 players for yeah. their trial this weekend. So you have to think that they're not really taking it Seriously, and most of them, I think, are still being played in quarters. Um, so you think all your your big name players are only going to play the first 15, 20 minutes, whatever right. it is, and then they'll sit out and they won't take any more part in it, and it'll just be a chance for the young fellas to go out there and bash each other and try and cement their place in the top 25 for the year. That and as a coach, I would think that that would be the way that I'd be approaching that uh, the trial matches as well, like. Burnout is a big thing, and you see teams after Origin games um, resting their players anyway. And Melbourne Storm are a perfect example of it. The, yeah, they, yeah, they, they were sitting people um, from sort of round 19 last year. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Um, so burnout is definitely a real thing, and 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 even sort of having played pub footy, you know that by the end of the season, and that we only play 16 games, that you're feeling every knock and niggle, and it's um, it's a bit harder to get up in the cold weather and, and go to training and, and then go and play the games and you're wearing more and more strapping tape and more and more liniment yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So it it is a thing and I can see where they're coming from. But they're again, they're also professionals and they're conditioned and they've got the best rehab in the business and all that sort of stuff. So you think they probably handle it a little bit better than us backyard. I'm sure, they've, trudges, I'm sure they handle it better, but the careers are still finite. Yeah, exactly. Like you can still like if you have ten years in the NRL, you've done very well. Especially to 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 continue to play at a first grade level, it, yeah. it's not easy. Like a, there's a lot of dedication, a lot of hard work, um, that that needs to go into it, and so you have to put in the hours of training, um, uh, to keep getting on the park to play that. So, I don't think we're going to see the same thing happen after this year that we are going to see this year with the All Star <laughs> game and the Nines and everything else happening at the same time. I actually don't see much of a future for the All-Star game. What do you think? That being said, I think the NRL's made a commitment that they're going to honour the Indigenous contribution to the game. And I don't think that they can let the All-Star game, or at least the All-Star weekend, go. Whether that means that they play it on the same weekend as the Nines and have it on the, the Saturday night. And so the players that are in that are, are there. You get to see it. I think that could make it more of a spectacle as well. Well, it could, but then... I think the biggest reason the South Sydney selected like such a strong side for the Nines is because of the prize money. Yeah. $370,000 to win the Nines, where you get $100,000 if you win the NRL minor premiership. Yeah. And I think that's... Everything comes back down to dollars. And that's why I, I do fear for the All-Star game. I love the concept. I think it's a fantastic game and what it does for the Indigenous community and building bridges and the whole lot. Reconciliation yep. is great. 
but it's no money involved in it. No money involved for the clubs. Yeah. And you've got the all-star. So these, these are your top, top players playing in this game. And even that being said, like all the clubs have to nominate their players that are eligible for it, and you find some clubs aren't putting all their best players forward. So, yeah, look, I kind of agree that maybe the clubs don't see the benefit of it. Um, it is a game that can potentially cause season-ending injur- injuries, which I think we saw Kirk Gidley a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, a couple of years ago, yeah. Got, got injured got, and, and got sort of missed out. Got snapped by his teammate, actually. Yeah, that's right. So, um, but I mean, that being said, how many times have we seen players get injured off the field? I mean... It can happen anywhere, but the biggest thing, I suppose, is like with the nine starting last weekend of January. Yeah, and it then, was very early. Yeah, <laughs> I very mean, early. and then they play through to the first weekend of October. So it is a long, long season when you see the guys like the NFL um, who wear pads and helmets. And yeah, they play a 17 week season. Exactly, well, 17 much, much shorter. Yeah, with a, at least one buy in there. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a lot different. I suppose um, they're probably more high, uh, like concentrated forces that they're just sort of smacking each other from short distances. I suppose, but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't understand why we are dragging it out so much. I know I understand the the idea of trials to get combinations working and all that sort of stuff, but dragging it out so long does seem a bit much. I think they probably need to bring State of Origins as a standalone, maybe on the weekends or something like that. Yeah, um, which has been has been put forward for that to happen, but it's, it all comes down to the coaches at the end of the day. If they're going to agree to certain schedules and all that sort of stuff, and at the yeah. end of the day, they, they, they hate State of Origin because they lose their players. Yeah. So and everyone we loves State of Origin. The game loves State of Origin, but they hate State of Origin because they, they lose all their guys and they're, they're playing a game that's not for any competition points and they could get injured. Yeah, well... So it's, it's a lose-lose for them. Someone like a, a Melbourne or even the Sharks, um, I I'm not meaning to compare them to, to Melbourne in terms of success, but when you take the best players out of any team, um, such as the Sharks, when you're taking out your Luke Lewis, your Andrew Fafita, your Paul Gallen, yeah. um, like there's, there's half the forward pack, the starting forward pack gone. and well, you really That's basically your entire leadership group as well. Exactly, and um, you're always going to struggle then to win games during those periods where they're, they're not around. And, and most of the time, they don't back up the game after. So they've set out the game before. They don't back up the game after. So what's supposed to be a one-week miss turns into two. And in the like the example of Paul Gallen, it's always longer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, he ran out of fuel, basically, last season. Yeah, well, even the season before, he he missed that whole origin period. He didn't yeah, play didn't from play at all, like no. round nine through to round 20. So yeah. um, when you're missing your best players, like it really makes it hard to, to get those competition points, which you need to still be playing at the uh, in september so yeah look origin's never going to go anywhere it's one of the biggest money earners for the nrl and it looks like nines has been hugely successful um this year the attendance outranked last year and um and i think the the stuff i saw on twitter they're saying that the ratings were pretty good as well so how, how can we fit the nines how can we fit the all-star game how can we put trials in safely? i would think that we need to probably put the all-star game in with the nines that would be my solution so you don't think that's going to dilute concept? No, I don't think it will. And uh, I mean, you look at the All Star weekends for like NBA and the All Star weekend for the Major League Baseball. Yeah. Um, it's a spectacle. Um, you have it in that there's events going all the time. There's your yeah. home run derbies, then there's your All Star game and all that sort of stuff. With the uh, NBA, you got your dunk comps, your three point comps. 
um, your rookie game, and then you got the All Star game. So right. it's it's a three day sort it's of a thing. Carnival. Yeah, it's a carnival, and and it gets the people in, and it gives all the other players a chance to sort of get there and watch it, and sort of support and and all that sort of stuff as well, as well as having a little bit of a break. These are all done mid season as well, I suppose, which makes it yeah. a little bit different as well. But I think if you bring that in. Um, it's probably going to... It might dilute the field in the nines a, a little bit because you'd have to think that someone like an Isaac Luke, um, he wouldn't be playing for South. He'd be playing in the, in the All-Star, All-Star game. game yeah. um, Adam, Adam Reynolds probably would be playing for the Indigenous. Yeah, well. that's right. So, you, I mean, you're probably going to have a few um, differences there. But, I mean, if, if you've got your star players playing one game instead of playing potentially nine nines games, yeah. you'd have to think that that's going to go a little bit better on them as well. Um, look, I don't know. There's going to be no perfect plan for it, but I mean, maybe only two weeks of trials. I don't see the need for four weeks, like in this day of professionalism. Oh, no, do I. I think that's definitely got to cut back. A, l- a lot of the time, even with all the chopping and changing in, in teams this day and age, you know who your best players are. You know what they can do. There's so much video research going into all kinds of recruitment these days. They have a top 25. They have to name it to the NRL, so they obviously know who their best players yeah, are. But there's there's no reason for them not to know who can do what, especially now. Like, oh. go, go on to the days where you're talking to a, a coach from Central Queensland about, oh, okay, how, how good does he really go? Yeah, exactly. You've got video to see how he really goes. Oh, yeah. So there's YouTube there's highlights for, for most players and well, videos exactly that they've done right. themselves. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a conundrum, but... We'll keep working at it. All right. Let's hit the soccer field. Ha oh, Timmy Cahill. Timmy Cahill. The Timmy Soccer-oos. Cahills. I think we should rename them to the Cahills. No, that time <laughs> is gone. That time is gone. We've shown that we've got other players other than Timmy that can oh, do the job. Tommy Jurek, what a, uh, <laughs> a magic ball he had um, for that winning goal. But, I mean, it, the first couple of games where Andrew was in charge, obviously everyone was a little bit tentative about what to expect I suppose because he didn't have the best results but obviously he was working to a formula um, and trying to change the system to what players had been used to for the last couple of years and and getting players to to gel and all that sort of stuff especially because he brought in so many new players so many new players there's so many unfortunately for that for the actual players have been in the soccer squad for the few years before um, Ange got there completely different methodology and completely different attitude yeah the great thing I, I find with Ange is that he's brought a bit of Australia back into the Socceroos. Yeah, there was a bit of fight and a bit of toughness about them, um, which they needed against some of the Asian teams who can be a little bit niggly. Um, and where previously we've probably fallen apart when that sort of stuff has happened because we've wanted to get more into the niggle rather than just dropping the shoulder and getting yeah, on with well, it. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> Lucas Neal turned around a few times and thought any other walk of life you'd be on the ground, mate. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, it's a soccer field, so you can't do that. And most of the time, they're on the ground in the first place. <laughs> but I think... Whether he put them there or not. Well, you know, they all kinds of ways to get on the ground. We've seen that. Yeah. Anybody who watches the Iraq team knows that. Oh, God bless the world game. <laughs> yes. It was a strange tournament for the soccer, isn't that? Everybody expected them to win it. Yeah. Despite the record that they had coming into the tournament, everyone thought, okay, we're home. Surely we can't lose this. Which I thought was very unfair to begin with. But geez, they've done well. Yeah, they, they really took it on. They really have, and and just I guess being in Newcastle for that um, 
semi-final was pretty crazy to see all the <laughs> yeah. green and gold around everywhere. And yeah. I Not too many people thought that was actually going to happen. No, but that's true. And so many people had already sold their tickets, which uh, I saw people trying to get theirs back on Facebook and stuff like that, which was um, pretty humorous. But um, look, I, I was thankfully off on leave during that time so I'd, I was able to watch some of the games and get out and about and try and see some of the players and um, it was similar to the other year when Liverpool came out and I went down to Melbourne and right. there was a sea of red everywhere but when I went into to town into the beach because I'd seen um, pictures of the, the boys at Nobby's so I went in to sort of have a look around and there was just green and gold everywhere and, and everyone was so happy um, that the boys were in town and there was such a good vibe in and around Honeysuckle and it seemed that everyone was just sort of captivated by it. Well, it, even for people who don't follow soccer, they were into it and I think when that happens you know you're on a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Australia does like to uh, jump well, we, on top of We love a winner. A, we yeah. love a winner. <laughs> we know that. But when we're winning, Jesus is good. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, do you give much thought to the the talk that was uh, downplayed quite quickly uh, by the a- by the AFC that they didn't want a- Australia in Asia anymore? They weren't bringing enough to the table. Look, no, because they were one of our big supporters when we were trying to get out of Oceania and and, and get in there. I think they were happy to um, to get us because they knew it would increase their market and all that sort of stuff. So um, I. I don't think that there was really any truth to that at all. No, not at all. Um, it was just a really slow news day and they needed to come up with something. Yeah, exactly. So I think we're going to be part of Asia for a long time to come and um, especially when you see players like Timmy Cahill today announcing that he's signing um, with um, Shanghai or whoever it was. Yeah, Shanghai, yeah. Um, so He didn't actually get any... Um, he got some interest from melee clubs but he didn't get any offers that uh, worked for him. Yeah. So what um, the And to be honest, that, the way that he was still playing... And no discredit to the A-League at all because I think it has improved year after year and we saw by the quality of some of the players playing for the Socceroos that, that obviously it is a, um, a good platform for them to be competitive. But I think that Timmy's still got enough and, and I was surprised that he went to Asia um, because I know that um, David Moyers was uh, reaching out to him from Real Sociedad. Right. Um, there was interest from Premier League clubs. There was even talk that Liverpool were interested in signing him. Well, which I, heard, I heard Everton wanted him to come back for the Swan Song. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he had his pick of of teams, you would think, um, and he looks like he's more than capable of contributing. He's, I reckon he can keep playing for the next four or five years the way he's going if his body holds up. So um, I think him going over to China is definitely going to um, keep the interest with Australia there in, in the Asian market. So I think we're, yeah. we're, we're there to stay. Okay, that's the good. Now we're going to hit the bad. Uh, here we go. Now we, we're from Newcastle. Yes, yes and we are. Our town, our town has a team called the Jets yep. at the moment. At the moment. And one Nathan Tinkler owns the Jets mm-hmm. and he's not really anyone's friend at the moment. He's No, he's not. And I saw that, I think it was a Friends or Rom song. Um, <laughs> Where are we going here? Well, there was a word I promised you I wouldn't say, so <laughs> I, I can't say it, but it's real fat uh-huh. and finishes with a not very nice word, um, but we'll right. keep this PG um, for all those kids that are listening. Well, at I'm home. not worried about PG, I just don't want to get sued by the <laughs> Yeah, well, he obviously needs the money, so I'm sure he's trying to take <laughs> yeah, some from us. I have no money to give him. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, the FFA have had a meeting and they've officially given him a warning um, or so, show cause, yep. actually. So, to me, his days are numbered. Yeah, they definitely have to be. And um, to be honest, you'd have to think that that was going to be the case once he lost control of the Knights. 
um, and started winding up some of that Hunter Sports group. Yeah. Um, he's just he's not financial uh, to the degree that he needs to be to run a club. Um, he's a micromanager. Obviously, we've seen that even with the Knights when he was yes. trying to sign players and coaches while yeah. he had sort of existing staff in the place. I'm guessing you're just a little bit bitter about Cade Snowden with that. Yeah. No, look, uh, it turns out it's been pretty good for our club <laughs> because you know, we got Fafita and Cade hasn't done much at all. So um, thanks for going, Cade. If you're listening, big ups to you, buddy. Um, Actually, I shouldn't say too much because I played footy against his brother one time and he absolutely belted me. I think um, if he walks past you in the street, he's going to belt you. <laughs> no, look, oh, Cade's a good bloke. I've seen him a couple I'm of times. About his, I'm talking about <laughs> his brother. Oh, yeah. We'll stay well away from him. <laughs> um, look, yeah, um, as we are saying, he's just he's not in the position to run a club and I don't think for all the success, uh, I use the term loosely, that he's uh, had in his business career, uh, which seems to be winding down now. I don't think he has the mentality or the mindset um, to really be a controlling party of a professional sports team. I think he was someone that looked at someone like South uh, yeah. and yeah. what Russell Crowe had done, and he thought that it was all um, champagne and caviar and he'd have big-name players jumping to sign from him and that they'd be successful and they'd be competing for premierships. And clearly that hasn't happened um, for either club, for the Knights or the Jets. And, and now that the A-League has asked for this show cause and they're talking about taking the licence back, I think hopefully the Jets' days aren't numbered. Hopefully there's someone out there that will keep them afloat, whether it's some sort of conglomerate or not. I don't, I, I don't know. I'm sure the FFA... And it's strange how this has become um, cyclical because... When Con Constantine had the club, he went through the same kind of dramas as what Nathan Tinkle was going through, and lo and behold, Nathan Tinkle was just there, ready to go. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the FFA have someone already lined up, ready to go. Because yeah. Newcastle is a strategic point for them. Absolutely. They were one of the such a big market. Well, they're one of the foundation clubs of the A League. Yep. And there's a reason for that. True. So they're not going to just say, you know, what we've lost Newcastle, they're no good to us anymore. They're going to keep Newcastle. Yeah. So even with Tinkler out of the way, and Tinkler will be happy if he gets his five and a half million dollars back. Yeah. And he Jerry, needs Jerry it. Harvey will be even happier because he'll he'll be there saying, okay, well that's part of what you owe me. Yeah. But Newcastle, whether they're still the Jets or some other form, we could we could become the A League equivalent of the Gold Coast. Well, I know. But they'll still be there. Do you, I mean, is every possibility that someone like Newcastle United in the Premier League um, comes to the rescue, similar as the um, Manchester City group did um, to buy Melbourne City and stuff like that? I mean, well, I, I hope so because I hate the fact that apparently Dundee United is the only club in the entire world interested in Newcastle. <laughs> I mean, fair thinking. Like, we've got, like you said, Manchester City taking over Melbourne City. Yeah. You really think Dundee United are going to? Keep up with those guys. Yeah, I'd, yeah, they can barely keep their own players, so I don't know how they're going to keep us. But right. I mean, obviously, part of the the Jets' failing is the the lack of success the last couple of years. Um, obviously, success breeds success, um, which then lead to profits. Although, from what I was reading, the crowd figures haven't really been down too much compared to what they were sort of when um, Tinkler came on board. So it's interesting to to see that they're not making money as much money, but obviously they're there are other issues at play in, in terms of failed contracts for marquee players and stuff like that, which yeah. is just a waste of money, pretty much. But um, yeah. And then paying out coaches that have been sacked and 
all that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> watch this space basically. Yeah, so definitely. Hopefully, we'll have some better news to talk about. But um, yeah, Newcastle aren't going anywhere. Pretty sure Nathan Tinkler will be though. Yeah, fingers crossed. Right, yeah, mate. To finish up, we might go back over to the United States. Okie dokie. And you're the basketball expert between the two of us. Oh. How's things going in the NBA? More specifically, how are the Lakers going to win a game without Kobe Bryant? Oh, there's a reason that they're uh, sitting close to the bottom in in terms of win loss um, and look like being a front runner for. Uh, Jalil Okafor come draft day. I guess the biggest issue for the Lakers, and I don't really think they were ever going to be competitive this year, even with Kobe. Um, they were always going to be an outside the playoff team. Is he passing? Should he just hang him up now? That's such a tough question. He's such a great player, and even though I haven't really liked him as a, a, a person, as an athlete, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, and you don't do what he's done for as long as he's done without being good. But I think from what we've seen this year, coming back from serious injuries like Achilles, uh, like an Achilles, is yeah. just it's too hard for someone um, at his age to compete at that level. Right. And then like broken legs, like whatever else he's he's had, and now with his shoulder injury, I just think he's too much of a drain for the Lakers. Um, he signed a massive contract. I think it's twenty-five million, um, or it could be closer to thirty. It's on the sideline now. And that's sitting on the sideline. And when your salary cap sixty million dollars, that's a massive. That's chunk. a massive chunk, and it just doesn't make sense for them in what's potentially coming up to be a massive free agent pool in 2016. When you got your names like um, LeBron James is going to be on the market again, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, these perennial all-star nows, and and guys that are constantly in the MVP running, you're going to need to have money to throw at these guys to make a competitive team and there's even talk that someone like Kevin Love will want to leave Cleveland um the one season yeah potentially (laughs) um because he's 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 in a contract year um and there was always talk that he wasn't going to re-sign um and that he was going to test for agent waters so there's going to be some quality players out there and they're going to need the money so I don't know whether a buyout's on the option whether they can come to sort of some sort of agreement that um he can take a, a front office job and, and work within the coaching or, or the management or um, player retention sort of somehow in there, which some other teams uh, have done with long-standing players. I don't see them trading him because no one will take on his contract. It's, right. it's just too big. Like yeah. the, I don't think anyone is, is capable of taking it out in the league at the moment. And if you trade for Kobe Bryant, it's just to make yourself a sideshow. It's not to make yourself competitive. You're not going to be successful. No. no. Um, so I don't see anyone doing it. So I really think the only option is that they either keep him on the books and let him play out the next three years um, as a, just a shadow of his former self, uh, or they buy him out. So you, do you think he's going to be one of those guys that sticks around too long because he just can't give it away? He's a prideful guy uh, from everything that I've sort of seen with him and he doesn't want to quit. And he, I know he wants to go out on his own terms. Which isn't going to happen. Which I don't think is going to happen no. um, with the the run of injuries he's had the last few years and, and his age. Um, so I think the honourable thing for him to do is would be to take a buyout um, and let the Lakers rebuild and move on. He needs another project. He's in a, he's, he's in Tinseltown. Come on, yeah, give yeah. him a, give him a, mu- a movie to produce or you know a record label or something like that. Take <laughs> exactly. his mind somewhere else. He's got the money to do it. Exactly. Come he could on. probably buy help, a studio. Help the Lakers out, guys. Come on. Yeah. Give him something else to do. Yeah. Right, I mate. That might do us for our first ever show. Yeah. I don't have any idea if we went all right or not. I guess <laughs> <laughs> proof we'll have to, in the pudding. 
find out. We'll be out uh, on Twitter and uh, we'll tweet you the links, obviously, because this is how you're listening to it. Um, but we'll be becoming more active on our handle at the Enlightenment, um, and we'll uh, be happily taking your feedback and on iTunes, leave your comments and stuff like that, and we'll uh, we'll That's go right from there. Be with us. We will get better. <laughs> we, we promise. Well, we're, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, it's we, a loose we promise. think we will anyway. <laughs> All right. Until next time. See you later. Peace out.